Shallowy driving it toward the back post for Zussi, who puts it back across, and Shelton slots it home! Zussi can have a hit from here, he does, and Graham Zussi re-elect! Graham Zussi! Shallowy knocks it in! The Hungarian assassin has given Sporting KC the lead! It's Russell! This is the Sporting KC Show on Sports Radio 810 WHB. Presented by Michelob Ultra. Enjoy a Michelob Ultra today. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. And by Casey's own CBD American Shaman. Score yourself free samples of great all-natural CBD products at a CBD American Shaman near you. CBD American Shaman. Everything is better with the feather. Now your host, Nate Bucati. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Sporting Kansas City Show on your home for SKC Soccer, Sports Radio 810 WHB. Nate Bucati along with Ali Trost as we have a busy show coming up for you today. Ali, how are you? I'm doing well. Always feeling a lot better coming off of uh, a big result and for Sporting Kansas City on Wednesday night. Certainly felt like a big one after going down early, so I'm doing well and just getting ready now to hit the road and head to Salt Lake again. I had never been in my life. Well, that's a lie. I had been for vacation, but I'd never been for work before. Uh, You've never been to Sandy, probably, right? Correct. Sandy, correct. Utah. That was yeah. the first um, when I emceed for the U.S. Women's National Team. So excited to be going back uh, for a big game. And, you know, there's there's so much with the sporting and Salt Lake rivalry that's, you know, developed and, and ebbed and flowed over the years. So I'm excited to go see it uh, from an away perspective this time. Okay, so we have a lot to talk about on the show today, and one of the things that uh, we want to get to is uh, the, well, first of all, before I I lay out the things we're going to talk about, let's lay out the the guest menu. We're going to have Benny Failhaber on the show in the next segment, which is exciting. He's, of course, the uh, head coach of Sporting KC2. They've been in a really good run of form, especially away from home here of late. And then we're going to talk with John Pulskamp, goalkeeper for Sporting Kansas City. who had a big game last night as we taped this on a Thursday in Minnesota, getting that 1-1 draw against the Loons, sporting in better road form of late. As uh, Jacob Peterson pointed out last night, Sporting KC started the season 0-5 away from home. And it's going to be hard to overcome that start. But now you look at it, and they are 2-2-3, since then, in their last seven games away from home. Big wins at Nashville and Montreal, and a big draw. Uh, big draws at places like NYCFC, by the way, and now in Minnesota. Uh, the ironic thing for Sporting Kansas City is by getting that draw last night in Minnesota, they actually dropped back into last place. They were up to uh, 13th, but they dropped back because San Jose got a win, so they moved slightly ahead of them. But that's not really the most important thing right now. The most important thing is accumulating points. Yes. And if you get a point on the road, most of the time I think you're you're good with that. If you go on a two-game road swing and you end up with four points, you're good with that. And if Sporting Kansas City can close off this road trip with a result at Real Salt Lake, then you're looking at a massive string of home games the rest of the way. Not that that's a guarantee you're going to win. We know Sporting's, they've dropped a few games at home this year. But, uh, but you put yourself in better shape. So that result last night, Allie, I think was a big one for Sporting Kansas City. A midweek game in the middle of this tough stretch of uh, three road games. Yeah, absolutely. And like you mentioned, when you do kind of have that light at the end of the tunnel, eight of their last 12 games will be at home. And I know they have dropped points at home this season. But, I mean, we've heard a number of times from players, from Peter Vermees, just 
playing at home. I mean, you can be in your own routine. The the travel, playing in MLS. Like I think that's one thing that fans don't always realize, like how grueling that is. And especially when you have guys from other countries, specifically Europe, where you don't have to travel as far to to play other teams. It it really is such a grind. And so when you factor in those midweek games and going from Canada to up north and then you know out west to Real Salt Lake, it can really you know have some wear and tear uh, on the guys and their bodies. But Sporting Kansas City, luckily, in a more um, in a better place health-wise and and hopefully soon fingers crossed we'll get some of these reinforcements in and I mean look yes they sit in last place right now but they're seven points below the the playoff line currently and a lot anything can happen there there's still a way for Sporting Kansas City to make their way into a playoff spot and I mean if we've known anything or learned anything to be true about Major League Soccer it's that it, it usually surprises us so we, we I'm sure <laughs> we'll see some surprises uh, come this this later push here in the season. This game against Minnesota was an interesting one because Sporting Kansas City were the better team in the first half by just about every by measure. Far. And they had good opportunities. For Cam Duke had a couple. Daniel Shallowy had a couple. Marinos Johnny's looked dangerous, was getting himself into dangerous areas in the penalty area. And Minnesota really, on the flip side, didn't create much in the chance in the in the in the uh, in terms of goal scoring chances. Yet Minnesota went into the locker room one nil. In the second half, when you look at the game flows, it was Minnesota that was on the front foot more of the second half. They had more of the chances. By the end of the game, they actually led in expected goals 1.1 to 0.9 when Sporting were way in front in the first half. That's a pretty negligible difference in terms of expected goals, so maybe what you've just described is a 1-1 game. But the ironic thing is the team that was playing the better soccer in the first half was down one nothing, and the team that, at least according to all the game flow numbers and all that, yeah. was playing better soccer in the second half trailed one nothing, and there you have your 1-1 draw. Soccer can be a very funny game. What was Sporting's <laughs> expected goals in the first half? I want to say, if, if I remember correctly, it was somewhere like around 0 0.4, 0 0.5. Which is crazy because I – and that's always the weird thing about some of these numbers yeah. when you go back and look because sometimes um, the perspective that you have from wherever you're watching the game, it can look like, oh, my gosh, that was an incredible chance. Yeah. Like, how did that not go in the back of the net? And I do yeah. feel like there were a number of chances in the first half um, with Daniel Shallowy. I mean, also just a side note, I thought he was really active playing yeah. in that center forward position. I, and yep. I thought the the way that the team was just quickly moving the ball, just, I mean, quick one, two, touch, like pass, move, go. And, and like, we haven't necessarily seen some of that continuity as much this season that I felt like they were playing with, not just in this game, but also in that Montreal game as well. So, you know, it seems like on the field, things have just clicked with the style of play that, that sporting likes to, to go out and play. But I thought Daniel looked great. I thought he had some really, really close chances. Cam Duke, you mentioned him as well. Peter Vermees called that Marinos Johnny's best game uh, with them so mm -hmm. far. And, um, you know, just a lot of positives to take away outside of the own goal, which, could have put Sporting in a, in a position to to get their second straight win of the season, but you know, or you know, second straight road win. But it is what it is, and now another opportunity, Real Salt Lake, to go out and get points. But I mean, the momentum, like we'll hear later on in the show from John Polskamp with this team right now, feels really strong. Yeah, some real bright spots from some young players on the Sporting Kansas City team. Johnny's being at the top of the list hasn't really been able to 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 earn that playing time. To this point, he gets the playing time, gets the opportunity. I think everybody was rooting for him to take advantage of it. And to hear Peter Vermees say afterwards, that's the best game he's played. Hopefully that's the start of him becoming another weapon for Sporting Kansas City in the attack, which is something they desperately needed through the course of the year. 
Caden Pierre had another good game as a young right back making his third straight start. And then, of course, John Polskamp with the three big saves in this game as, uh, as a young player called on because Tim Melia was injured. And we're going to talk with him later in the show. So some real positives and a little bit of momentum building for Sporting KC. Now we're going to see if they can take that momentum into Real Salt Lake over the weekend because, boy, that would be big if you can get – three results in three games away from home during this one-week stretch. Yeah, Nate, and I mean, like you mentioned, the good performances from the young players. I, I really do think just that progression that we're seeing because some of these young guys have kind of been thrown into the fire a little bit. I mean, Caden Pierre wouldn't have been getting these minutes if not for the injury to Graham Zusi. Felipe Hernandez, Cameron Duke don't probably get the opportunities that they've been getting in the midfield if, if Dottie Keen does not out for the season. Um, so, you're, so you're starting to see these guys really embrace some of the opportunity that they've been given. And, and I heard on the broadcast last night, first time that five homegrown players have started for Sporting Kansas City. So that was, you know, I, and not to even mention the U22 initiative players in Logan and Denbe and Marino's John East out on the field. So a lot of youth uh, mm -hmm. to, to help go out and get that result. But of course, it's the veteran Johnny Russell coming in. And he even said on the post game. Because I was like, Johnny, you don't really have – you're not in this position a whole lot where you're yeah. watching from, from the sidelines and then you get a chance to go into the game. So what did you see? Was there anything that you, that you recognized from that perspective that you wanted to go capitalize on? And he had mentioned that he kind of noticed how much space and how guys were getting in behind for them in that first half against um, Minnesota and, and kind of was able to see some of that from the bench. And, I mean, he scored in, what, five minutes? So yep. the most vintage Johnny Russell goal ever, by the way. I mean, yeah. how, how many times have we yeah. seen him do exactly what he did, just getting inside the box, sticking with a, you know, a, a play, and then just slotting it almost perfectly in that back corner? It was like the first time he got the ball, too, when he came out. I mean, because he kind of ran around for a while and didn't get any involvement. And then there he is, boom, goal, and Sporting Kansas City get the draw. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll have Benny Failhaber on the show. A lot to talk about with him, including some new rules in MLS Next Pro that I think they're going to try out to see if they work. And then could we see them someday in Major League Soccer? But also we'll talk with him about the way his SKC2 team are playing right now and racking up results. Then we'll talk with John Polskamp and then – We'll preview this big game against RSL as we come back on the Sporting Kansas City Show. You're listening to the Sporting KC Show on Sports Radio 810 WHB. And we're back on the Sporting Kansas City Show on your home for SKC Soccer, Sports Radio 810 WHB. Wherever you get your podcast, wherever you stream your video content, we're presented by Michelob Ultra. And we appreciate you watching or listening, I should say. We're not on video today, just uh, just doing the audio version of the podcast today, uh, which uh, we hope you enjoy. And we are joined now by a very special guest, head coach of Sporting KC2, NMLS Next Pro. Uh, Benny Failhaber joins us on the show. Good morning, Benny. How are you? Good morning, Nate. I'm doing all right. And we are, we are taping this on a morning. It'll air this evening and, and of course, and wherever you get the podcast, but you know, it's it's fun to catch up with you now that we're we're kind of in that middle portion of the season. Your first go round as the head coach of Sporting KC two. How has it been so far? Yeah, it's been it's been great. I mean, the experience has been um, fantastic. Uh, you know, it's something that I, I love to do. It's it's nice to work with you know the people that have that I've surrounded myself with with our staff and. You know, coaching staff, and also just uh, you know the the front office people here with with the second team, and um, and then the players themselves. It's all been a very good experience, and um, you know, very educational for me. 
how has that relationship with the players? I, I would imagine that, you know, at the start, you maybe don't have that, that chemistry right away with the guys, but how, how would you assess the way that that's developed and, and what your relationship with them is now compared to where it was at the start of the season? Yeah, that was always one of the things that I was a little bit more worried about in terms of how I would uh, adapt to being a coach and, and having that relationship with players and what it would look like. And, you know, I'm, I've had some, some really good coaches along my career, and I always talk about how, how Peter and Bob are the two guys that made the biggest impact in me and uh, as a player and, and as a person. And so I take little bits from them more than anybody else and, and kind of try and apply my own, you know, little ways but one one definite thing that i've tried to do is just be honest with these players um and, and treat them like adults most of them uh are getting to that age where you, you go from you know childhood to adulthood so it's a little bit of a interesting uh dynamic with with some of the age groups that we have here from probably 16 to around 24 25 so um some some variety but it's uh it's been pretty good i think that the players know that the staff is is you know, only trying to help them improve. Um, and we expect, obviously, guys to, to work hard on the field and, and give it their all, but that they really need to push themselves because they're the, they're the ones that, that need to be ambitious and, and need to be, you know, asking more of themselves to, to get to the level that they want to get to. Okay, speaking of, like, that range of ages that you deal with, you're not an old guy, Benny, but you're dealing with, like, some, some really young players. I mean, what are some of the generational, I guess, uh, things that you've had to overcome or things that you've learned? Like, have you had moments <laughs> where you're like, am I that? Like, am I old or am I just dealing with people who, who came up a completely different way? Uh, I think I'm more of the latter there in the, in the sense that I think just generations are different. And so um, – you know, I, I'm always been a guy, and Nate, you could probably attest to this. I always said that I love getting older. You know, I, I, I don't mind being, you know, when I was 30, I was like, oh, that's all right. That means, you know, only three or four more years of this grind, and then it's something else. And so as much as I love soccer, I, I have always enjoyed getting a little bit older and, um, you know, having the experience. And so now as, you know, I'm a young coach, but uh, to the players, you know, I'm, I'm the old guy. And so uh, being able to, you know, be a little bit more level-headed with, with my thoughts and um, offer my experience and, and whatnot. And, and so um, that's been good. And then, yeah, like you said, Ali, I think it is a generational gap in, in, in every every generation where people are raised a little bit different. And so, you know, they came up in the world of, of Twitter and Instagram where that came through only for us when we were, you know, you know full adults already. And so – it does. It does make a difference. People are a little bit different nowadays. You got to talk to them in a different way. You got to understand that they want more information and, and and those kind of things. And so all us old guys, you know, are always saying, "Well, back in our day, it wasn't like that." But um, I think we're the ones that kind of have to adapt a little bit to them. The world keeps moving faster for me because I'm learning from my nephews that like Twitter and Instagram is old news to them. They're already on to like TikTok and and Snapchat instead. So I I don't know. I'm trying to keep up with it all. It's funny you say that, though, Benny, about me, me being able to attest to you um, not, not minding growing older. I, I want to tell – this is a fun anecdote that, to me, is an indicator of, of your mindset a little bit as a coach. Um, I've told this story. I don't know if Allie's heard this story before, but it was, it was, it was Benny Failhaber who planted the seed in my head to try to reach out to – ESPN and Fox to try to get some broadcasts on a national level. I had only been doing the games for a few years in Kansas City, and Benny brought it up to me and said, why aren't you doing national games? And I thought, well, gosh, I'm just trying to 
I'm trying to establish myself as a as a soccer commentator in the first place. I hadn't really even considered myself in that category. And Benny said, "Don't sell yourself short." You know, in my career, I had younger guys tell, or older guys tell me that, and that that encouraged me to go on and become a better player and and realize that that uh, I shouldn't set limitations on myself. And that gave me the guts to go out and actually reach out to the folks at Fox. And I I got to call a few games for Fox. Who knows if I ever will again? But I got to do it and say that I did it. And and honestly, that's that's like a huge moment in my life that might not have even happened if if I hadn't somebody like had somebody like you to plant that seed in my brain to make me believe that I was capable of it. Is and that's kind of what you have the access to. All these kids now, all these guys playing an MLS Next Pro, you have this chance to plant this seed to help them see themselves as something that maybe they don't even see in themselves. And I'm just curious, like, is that one of the things you like the most about it? It seems to me like that's that's Benny Failhaber. Maybe the, the if there's a hook to coaching, is that it for you? Yeah, I mean, well, first, uh, that story is makes me feel good because, I mean, that's something that uh, I, I think I, I know I told you, I don't know if you remember, but the, the person that gave me that advice and, and the advice was uh, don't put a limit to your potential because – the reality is in anything in life, and I think for me in soccer it was like this, when I was 16 years old, I felt like my potential was getting to college. Once I was playing in college, my potential was making the under-20 national team, et cetera, et cetera. You know, and eventually you get to being a pro, and I got to play in the World Cup. And so um, your potential changes, you know, with, with everything that – which new level that you get to with, with anything in life. And so – Vincent Company was the guy that told me that in Hamburg. Wow. And so I remember I remember that from, you know, I think it was my first or second year as a pro, and I took that with me for the rest of my career. And, yeah, I mean, that's something that I've already – I've talked to players about that. You know, it's just because you're here right now, don't, don't think that this is, you know, the highest level you can get to is to be the best player in MLS Next Pro. No, your job is to try and, you know, do as well as you can – improve and then your potential grows to the possibility of now playing an MLS and, and whatever's next is next. And so, yeah, that's definitely something that is, is important to me and making sure that guys understand that there, there's really no limits to what they can achieve. And I think it's just about the work and the grind. And we, we talk about trust in the process, which is something, you know, Ike love, loves to comment on, but it's true, you know, with, with all these young guys, it's, it's very true. So when it comes then Benny to your potential as a coach, what what does that limitless potential look like for you? What's how do you imagine your career reaching its absolute peak as a coach? Yeah, I mean, I don't know, Ali. It's a great question. Um, I know that you know I have certain goals, and right now the the most you know I guess obvious goal for me at some point is to is to coach an MLS, and I would love nothing more than to be able to coach Sporting KC one day. Um, you know, I, I don't know if that's ever going to you know come to fruition if I'll have the opportunity to but it's definitely a goal of mine but I think the one thing that is more important is that I am you know uh, almost along for the ride at this point it's not like I'm you know antsy in any way to to get higher up the you know the the, the coaching chain um, I'm very happy where I'm at right now I'm, I'm happy being in our organization um, you know getting this educational experience for myself and, and, and improving as a coach um, and and still competing in in the in the now and and, and every day, you know. And so I'm not, I'm not thinking too much about the future. I'm thinking about our team right now, how we can improve this year, how we can improve week to week, how we can improve the players that we have, 
Um, you start having a little bit of an eye as well. How can you improve the team for the following season? But that's about as far as it gets down the line. And so um, I don't know where my coaching career will lead, but the, I think that's the one more obvious goal that I would have is to one day coach in MLS. Well, looking at the here and now, four road wins for SKC2. Yeah. You guys hit the road again this week, and you're coming off a big 2-0 win at Colorado. Um, just the growth of the team and where you guys are at right now, how do you feel about uh, where this team has progressed and, and what they've got for the rest of the season? I feel really good. I mean, the, the team was, you know, there was two players from last year, and unfortunately when, when Aliash went down, then we only had Jahan from last year, and so, it was a, you know, a lot of work to get these guys to, to play as a team, to understand their roles um, within our system, um, to build chemistry with one another. And so I think that we've, we've made big steps in, in the progression of the players themselves and, and our team, of course. And so, uh, you know, evident with some of the results that we've gotten uh, more recently. And we just continue to, you know, try and improve and, 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 and get better uh, every week. I think that it's a league that there's there's a little bit of, of disparity right now from the top to the bottom, and so some of the top teams are, are are very very good in terms of points per game. So I don't know if we'll we'll be able to get to the playoffs. We got to you know go on a really good run and, and get some results go our way as well. But that's what we're fighting for, and and I think the guys are motivated by that. So um, you know we'll we'll keep fighting to get to the playoffs, but uh, very very important that we just keep improving as well. We're visiting with Benny Failhaber, and and I'm. Glad that you brought up the the disparity in the league because this is this is a new venture, this MLS Next Pro. In the past, when it was Swope Park Rangers and in the early uh, edition of Sporting KC2, you're playing in USL where you had some other academy type t- or whatever you want to call it, the, the second teams for MLS organizations. But then you also had independently owned teams that were out there, you know, with no salary budget, buying veteran players and just trying to go win games. How would you compare the, the the quality of play, the competition, and just the experience your kids are getting now in this league? And I know you didn't head, you weren't the head coach of it last year, but you watched it some. How, how would you compare it to what the experience was in the past for these guys? Well, I think that there's a very good uh, competitive aspect this year, and I think that there's no doubt that the level of play is lower than the USL championship is right now right and so this team was playing against better teams last year um more men more seasoned veterans and so in terms of getting results it was it was more difficult um but at the same time i think one thing that it allows us to do this year is you're competing against teams that are trying to play the right way right trying to develop young talent um and so you do see some games where you can you can train certain aspects of the game within the competition part whereas last year I feel like Naga probably got into situations where he had to pick and choose whether, okay, we're going to try and play a certain way so that we can develop players. But we know that by doing this, we, we, we you know, have a, a big chance of losing this game. Or is it one of those games where, well, we're going to try and compete uh, to, to win this game, and it might take a little bit of a, of a hit in terms of how do we develop these players in certain aspects of the game. And so, that's one thing that we've been able to do um, hand in hand, you know, compete against other teams and still manipulate the team in certain ways so that we can be more competitive and, and, and be able to win games, but also, uh, you know, get them to continue to develop individually and understand their responsibilities and improve their, you know, technical and tactical aspects of the game. So 
I think that's been good. Um, and, and I still think that there is some, some parity, you know, because some of the teams have decided to go very, very young with a lot of academy players. And, and obviously that takes a hit to some extent in, in, the, uh, in the winning results business. Um, and some teams have mixed and matched, which is kind of what we've done, a little bit of first-team guys, a little bit of academy guys, and, and some contracted second-team play, uh, second players. And then there's other teams that have gone, you know, even a little bit more beyond that um, and, and tried to, you know, have um, more guys from the first team play in games and, and utilize it as a, as a team that kind of keeps everybody fresh from the, in the first team and prepared to go. So it's been uh, an array of, of uh, different styles within the league, but it's been very interesting and, and good for a competitive aspect. Benny, speaking of those players who, you know, go from the first team and play with uh, their respective MLS Next Pro teams. We talked to John Pulskamp about that recently, and he said that he really values that time, you know, not just to, to develop his game and get to play with you all, but he's really enjoyed also the, the leadership aspect and talking to some of the guys uh, in the locker room, offering up advice and things like that. How valuable is it having some of those first-team perspectives come and play with the team to maybe get a message that you try to convey, a, you know, to, to the guys on the team, but have it come from you know, players firsthand who, who are experiencing it on a day-to-day basis? Yeah, I think, I think it's very important. Um, we've had uh, the ability to bring down some players um, during the season, not so many recently, although John and Kendall obviously have been coming down quite a few uh, games. I think they played all the games but one up till this point. And so the ability to have their leadership in there, especially from the back and to organize the defense and within the locker room, be a leader in there as well. I think that's, that's massive. And I think that it goes kind of both ways where as long as those players are coming and utilizing this opportunity, which is something that is is very, very beneficial for them in the right ways, right. To be able to push the level and, and get everybody to, to play at a higher level than they were. I think that's something that's very, very beneficial to them and to our team. And so it's been, it's been a good relationship. Well, and John had a funny story about you, Nate, when we had Pulse Camp on a, a few weeks ago, uh, in one of his yeah. like first training sessions, yeah. I think you guys got into it a little bit. Do you he, remember he that? He didn't think you would remember because you didn't really know who he was at the time, but you were yelling at him for not coming out for a ball, and he started having to go right back at you, <laughs> even though he wasn't like what, fully on the team yet. Do you remember that at all? Was this, was this when I was a player? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, I don't remember this. But I'm <laughs> Which glad is crazy because you you've got a great memory, so... <laughs> Yeah, he remembers. Yeah, well, You'll have John, to talk to him John, about it. What, did he mention what year it was? Because I'm sure he was very insignificant at that point. Yeah, no, he even admitted that. He said he, he was pretty <laughs> sure that everybody was like, I can't believe that kid is yelling back at Benny Failhaber right now. But he was sure that he was right. And he said he even went and talked to the coaches afterwards, and they told him, yeah, you weren't supposed to come for that ball. Benny was wrong on that one. So. <laughs> Does that... I'm, 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 I'm sure. I'm it sure was 2019, I think. It, it well, would have had it been 2019. One... One of the reasons why he's doing so well is because he has that attitude. But there is no doubt in my mind that he was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I feel I feel certain that uh, you both. You know, you got to have guys that have uh, convictions uh, about what they're doing on the field for sure. We're visiting with Benny Failhaber. Hey, before we let you go, Benny, um, I, I want to ask you about a couple of rules that are being used that are, that have been introduced into MLS Next Pro. And it's actually one of the things the, the the soccer nerd in me is excited about with this league is that they can kind of use it as a as it's not just a training ground for the players, but 
they can experiment with some rules and see how they work. Okay, this rule might seem like a good idea, but when we try to apply it during a game, um, you know, how does it look? And so one of the um, one of the rules that they're implementing is this off-field treatment rule. If a player is suspected to have an injury and is on the ground for longer than 15 seconds, a medical crew will come onto the field to evaluate the player. Once the player is off the field, the player will be treated by the medical staff and will be required to remain off the field for three minutes. I think I love the, the, the idea behind this rule, which is we see guys fake injuries all the time at the end of games, especially when they're trying to waste time or whatever. And this is, hey, if you're going to do that, you're going to have to sit out for three minutes. You have to decide, is it really worth it? Um, and if you're really hurt, then that's no problem for you being out for three minutes. Um, 15 seconds seems like a pretty quick time to determine that. I'm curious what your thoughts are on this rule and how you think it'll uh, it'll it'll play out as it gets applied. Yeah, well, it was applied in our game this weekend, and I can tell you that. Um, well, first, I'll say that I, I I like the thought behind the rule. I think that there is I, I cannot stand what we watched. Obviously, everybody watched it against New York, but look, it happens in everywhere in the world. It's not just the Red Bulls that did it against us. That that happens all over the world and. Many teams do that. Many players do that, and referees don't re don't really have a good handle of it. And so, the thought process behind it, I think, is very, very good in the rule. And I can tell you that in our game, I, I could tell that sometimes our players went down, and they were worried about how quickly they needed to get back up so that they wouldn't have to come out for three minutes. And I think, I think it's great if it's if you're you know if you if you get a dead leg or something small or whatever you, you know something that isn't gonna keep you out for uh, a long period of time and you can just get up and get on with it, great. But the problem that I can see us having with it is, and I know that, you know, head injuries, for example, wouldn't apply. But how quickly can you assess whether it's a head injury or if the guy's grabbing his shoulder or his back or is it his neck? And so I, I just think that there's going to be a lot of gray areas in terms of um, making sure that we don't overdo it in the sense that now we're leaving a player out there that should have come out, but he doesn't want to come out because he doesn't want to be out for three minutes. And so um, that'll be the interesting part of it. I think that, you know, the, the idea behind the rule is great. We got to see if we can apply it the right way now. And the other one is this, uh, this, this one with the red card, where if you get a red card, your suspension will be served against the same opponent when you play him the next time around. I'm curious what you think of that one. Yeah, we've had a good debate in the in the uh, coach's office about that one. I also think that the rule has some uh, positives in it, but there's also a lot of weird things that you can do with that. So, for example, you play every team in 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 the first half of the year, and you never play the same team twice. So you could essentially get a red card for 18 games straight, or however many games straight, and play every single game, and then you know, you go and play with the first team. So you don't play with the second team for the next 18 games or whatever, right? It's some, something very strange could be done with those rules. But again, the principle makes a little bit of sense. If somebody gets a red card against us, it would be nice to not have to play them the next time. Um, I think that's a tough one to, to, to have work, though. Um, it, there's a lot of weird little things that you can do. Uh, you could potentially be, you know, if you're playing a team 10 weeks from now, you could potentially be injured and you would miss that game anyways. And so I think that there's a little bit there. It makes sense to miss the very next game after a red card. Um, and so I don't know if, how much that one will work, but we'll see. Benny, thank you so much for the time. We appreciate it. I know you got a big game coming up against the Monarchs on uh, on Saturday. 
uh, in, uh, in in Zion's Bank Stadium. So good luck with that, and uh, and we'll hopefully talk to you again real soon. All right. Thanks, Nate. Thanks, Allie. All right, that is uh, Benny Failhaber. We'll take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk to John Polskamp and uh, and, and maybe reha- maybe rehash that 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 that's that, that uh, row that he had with Benny back in the day as well. <laughs> but he had three big saves in that game for Sporting Kansas City in Minnesota. We'll talk with John right after this on Sports Radio 810 WHB and wherever you get your podcast. You're listening to the Sporting KC Show on Sports Radio 810 WHB. And we're back on the Sporting Kansas City Show on your home for SKC soccer, Sports Radio 810 WHB. And, of course, wherever you get your podcast, we appreciate you joining us. We just had Benny Failhaber on the show, and so we thought it would only be fair if we uh, – because we asked him about the altercation, the infamous now altercation with John Polskamp when, uh, when, uh, when he was still on the team – and uh, so, you know, he claims he, he was in the right. John he doesn't says remember, he, yeah. though. That's an important <laughs> I think that point. is true. Yeah, he doesn't remember, the, but he's still sure he's right. I think that tells us about Benny a little bit. But in more seriousness, we do want to talk to John Polskamp, not because of that, but because you want to talk about a guy that came up big for his team in Minnesota last night as we record this on a Thursday now. Three big saves, two in very short order that kept sporting Kansas City at a 1-1 scoreline as they grab a vital point on the road during this really tough road trip. Filling in for the injured Tim Melia and John Polskamp joins us now back from that trip. John, thanks for joining us. How are you, man? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you for having me on. It's always, it's always nice talking to you guys. That that was uh, that was quite a lead-up we gave. We, we brought up the Benny Failhaber stuff, but really, in all seriousness, we want to talk about this game in Minnesota because, boy, those two saves. You, you, you stop a header right at the doorstep with a nice reaction save to your left, and then on the ensuing corner kick, an awkward ball that, that almost looked like it, it was going to bounce right over your head, and you had to just kind of throw your hands up at the last second to get it up over the bar. Can you take me back through those two saves and just maybe what you remember seeing and, uh, and how you made those saves in the game? Yeah, yeah, the... The first was, was definitely, uh, I guess, more kind of natural or more more routine. Um, not that it was an easy save, but you know, I was set. I believe it was Reynoso on the left side of the 18, and I was set, making sure I was, you know, aware of any shot or curler you might you might try to hit. Then when he clipped it back stick, I just, you know, thought to, to to get across that. I had peaked before, and I saw kind of the open guy at the back stick, so I knew. Once he had hit that ball, that, that's where that was headed. Um, and then just, yeah, and then just set and react. Uh, but that but that one was definitely a bit more of kind of a conscious, you know, step-by-step, uh, I guess, typical um, way to make that save. Um, and then the one on the corner was, yeah, that was, that was uh, I mean, probably the better of the two or definitely the better of the two. Um, that was just pure, pure instinct and reaction, um, not a lot of – conscious thought that was just that was just instinct taking over i mean they took that corner so quickly um myself included i don't think a lot of us were were even ready i mean i was looking at guys running into the box trying to get guys kind of organized make sure guys were in spots and that's actually when i heard the ball being hit or kind of as i was looking over and then they they hit it super super early I, i picked it up quickly and it was going at the near post and then it just kind of squeaked through that near post off of deflection or flick or something. Uh, to be honest, I don't even know who hit it. Um, and then, yeah, just just pure reaction. Uh, thankfully, to uh, to get a tip on that and, and, and tip it over the bar. 
So you mentioned the first save is like a more routine one, and the second one is more instinct of those two uh, big end of game saves. How do you how do you practice or like feed that instinct or practice that instinct? You can practice those routine things over and over again in training, but when things happen that are um, you know outside of the the normal routines that you kind of go through, how do you make sure on just a day to day basis that you're prepared for those moments when they come up in games? It, it, it's just a matter of repetition and 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 doing those things and those movements and any kind of random moments you see in game and just just doing them again and again and again and and making sure it's perfect every time and then playing things out in training I think definitely has an effect on that Um, not just dealing with predictable aspects of it but then finishing every play in training because even in training random things happen like that especially in small-sided games or like you know all 8v8s that we play in training and stuff and then in goalkeeping training any rebounds any awkward balls that might happen balls coming off the post balls you know as long as it's in play play it out until until the play is finished because um, that you know that gives you the most game-like I guess environment and then and then just playing games you know getting getting minutes and you you see moments like that and yeah just just over time and it, it just kind of becomes natural i guess we're visiting with john pulse camp and of course those big saves all came after a, a pretty wild game um you guys had i think it was it was clear we're the better team in the first half but you find yourself in this all too familiar position this year where you play well but you can't capitalize on goal scoring chances and then catch a bad break and, and you're down one nothing going into the locker room and i saw you as you were walking off the field obviously the victim of that own goal situation and you just kind of had this look on your face that to me kind of said, well, what are we going to do? I mean, you know, it, crap happens sometimes, you know, for lack of a better phrase. And that kind of seemed like that's what that one was. It was just like, a, hey, the ball bounces the wrong way. It's unlucky. What are you going to do about it? I'm curious what the mood in the locker room was after that, considering that you played well, but the scoreline was what it was. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just, just like you said, I think, I think we deserve more. Um, we deserved all three. We played more than good enough uh, as a team to, to get that, uh, the amount of chances we created and, and how well we defended. I mean, we didn't give up anything in the first half. Uh, and then there's just, yeah, I mean, probably the weirdest play, uh, definitely the weirdest goal I've ever conceded. <laughs> um, just like, just, I mean, a, a common phrase in soccer is, you know, something happens. People say, oh, unlucky, unlucky. That was unlucky. Um, but oftentimes it, it, it's not unlucky. That thing happened because of a reason. But this is kind of one of those few situations that I really do think it was just really bad luck and just it's just such a weird, a weird play. And, and I think we could run that situation back a hundred times and, and it wouldn't happen again like that. Um, but just like you said, that's that's sport, right? I mean, sometimes you get good breaks and sometimes you get bad breaks and all you can do is kind of look at it and and address it for what it is like hey that happened can't you know can't can't change it it was weird um so so let's let's not make that weird play sting even more by causing it to to lead to a loss or something like that so you know we came into the locker room um you know i spoke with with the goalkeeper coach alex and fonty looked at each other like look dude i mean weirdest thing ever right and looked at Alex, you know, what, what, what are you going to do? What are we going to do? Okay, exactly. So then we, we, we went into the locker room and, 
and I think guys were feeling good. I mean, obviously it, it stings a little and it, and it hurts to play that well and come in with the scoreline at, at one nil down. Um, but it, it's always better than coming in at you know coming coming in at halftime one nil down and thinking, wow, we could be two three nil down. We 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 need to wake up here. It's like no, we're, okay, yeah, we're one nil down, but we're creating enough chances to come back and win this game two three one. So let's let's go out there and do that. And and you know Johnny Johnny comes on and, and does what he does and, and makes an immediate impact and, and grabs a goal and and we come away with a point. So. You know, it, it, it stings to not get all three from that game because I think we definitely deserved it. But, you know, we take we take the road point and, and keep the momentum going. And, John, that's now the second straight game where you guys have been in a trailing position but do come away with points, which hadn't been the case at, at all this season before the last two away matches that you all have had. And after the match, Johnny Russell even said, you know, we weren't coming back in that same situation earlier this season. Um, and, and I'm sure if you talk to everyone on the team, you might get different answers as to what you could pinpoint exactly, you know, for what that switch has been. But for you, what has been the switch with the team? Where has that confidence come from? And, and what has now given the team maybe more of that belief that you can come back in those situations when you do go down a goal? Uh, I, I think it's purely a mental thing. I think, you know, we're, we're really starting to recognize again how good we are and how good we can be when we're all tuned in and and you know focused with the with the task at hand uh, Montreal was a great example of that uh, I mean you know we, we did it time and time again last season a lot of comeback wins um, and then now that, that we're getting a kind of a couple of these tight games where maybe at early in the season, when things didn't go our way or there was, you know, we would play well, but maybe concede a, concede an unfortunate goal. I think that would kind of like demoralize guys a little bit. It, it kind of be like, you know, like this isn't fair. You know, we played well and we're just not getting the results. So we kind of, kind of deflate guys a little bit, but now I think it's clicking again. Like, no, like it, it just, just because we go down doesn't mean we're not right in this game. Doesn't mean we're not playing, you know, good soccer. Doesn't mean we're not playing, with our same character that we know we have, we just got to keep playing the way we know we can play and things will fall in, in, into the right places. So, you know, Montreal was a huge example of that. This is too. Um, and then, you know, momentum is, is huge in the sport. Uh, people, people don't realize once, once you start going in a certain, certain direction, whether it's, uh, you know, good or bad, you know, uh, it's, it's really easy to let, you know, one or two bad results kind of roll in, in the wrong direction, but it's also on on the flip side, you know, a couple good results can, can turn into a, a nice little streak. So momentum is massive and I think we're building a little bit of that. So the mood is good. Um, and that and that always helps. When when you're confident and ready to go, you you can take a goal on the chin and, and, and bounce back. Um, you know, when, when things aren't going so well and you take a goal it, and you can see a goal, it, it's harder to bounce back because not everyone's uh, feeling as, as confident and, and, and up, for the, up for the challenge. Well, certainly uh, it's good to know that you guys are confident going into RSL because that's obviously always a big game and a tough place to play, but another opportunity to close out this three-game road trip 
with the result and already four points through the first two games on this road trip's been off to a great start and John you had a lot to do with that obviously with those big saves last night thanks so much for the time and best of luck this weekend in uh, Salt Lake City awesome thank you thank you very much I uh, appreciate you guys having me on that is uh, John Pulskamp. We'll be back to preview that game. RSL versus SKC coming up on Sunday night right after this on the Sporting Kansas City Show. You're listening to the Sporting KC Show on Sports Radio 810 WHB. And we're back to wrap things up quickly on the Sporting Kansas City Show on your home for Sporting KC Soccer Sports Radio 810 WHB. Thanks to Benny Failhaber and John Pulskamp for joining us on the show today. Today, Now, Ali. We get ready for RSL. 8.30 on Sunday, longtime rivals at Rio Tinto and an opportunity for Sporting Kansas City to try to grab some more points away from home. You can watch the match on 38 The Spot or on the Sporting KC app or sportingkc.com slash live, and you can listen to it right here on Sports Radio 810 WHB as well. RSL have been having a very, very good season, Alley, but they have dropped three results. They haven't gotten a win in their last three. They're still in fourth place in the Western Conference, so this is a big game for sporting on the road. Yeah, and this is a, a game where some of that good momentum sporting's been riding can maybe come into play against a team that, although they're sitting higher up in the table, isn't in that same kind of swing that sporting's experienced in their last two games. But, I mean, look, it's always it always becomes a, a highly... Uh, contested, you know, intense <laughs> matchup anytime these two teams play. And, I mean, while I don't think how the season ended at the hands of Salt Lake, um, both, you know, on decision day with how that game played out and then in the playoffs as well, I don't think that's going to be on the minds of Sporting KC players as much just because of, you know, where they're at in the table and all the things that, that they kind of got ahead of them. Um, that said, you know, this is just this is just one of those games that just always the rivalry always kind of seeps through a little bit. But it's – Again, I, I think it's going to come down to that momentum. Um, I I don't know what the health status of some of these guys for Sporting KC is going to be. Will Tamelia be healthy? Um, are we going to see John Pulskamp in goal for another game? Will when do the players uh, Eric Tommy and uh, Willie Agata get get into town? Mm-hmm. Um, so just some big questions I think in terms of lineup. I'm not really sure what that would look like right now for Sporting KC. So there's a little bit of drama in RSL right now as well yeah. because uh, David Ochoa was uh, the the young phenom goalkeeper who made shockwaves around uh, the the region when he decided to declare his uh, his nationality which which national team he wanted to play for with the Mexican national team. He had a long post about that, and uh, next thing you know, he finds himself not playing. He had an injury early in the season, and Zach McMath came in, has played really well for RSL, and doesn't seem to be keen to relinquish the job. And then Ochoa goes on Instagram uh, just yesterday and posts that uh, he is still on the team. He's not allowed to train with the first team, but he's not allowed to leave the team either, by the way. Front office people have said they're not going to comment on the social media behavior of their players and all that. But all of a sudden, we got some drama at RSL. Drama does seem to follow Ochoa around a little bit, I have to say. Uh, he's a young player. Young kids yeah. have to, you know, they, you go through a growing up process and everything. But that's an interesting one to follow. Yeah, I um, I wasn't expecting to see that come across my Twitter <laughs> timeline today. But, I mean, it, that has been a storyline of the season is, I mean, he was their goalkeeper during their, their Cinderella run last year and has now been out of the picture. Of course, like you said, starting with an injury. But, I mean, when 
you put a guy in, in net and he's finding success, very rarely do you see teams go back and forth between keepers and Zach McMathis put them in a position where even though RSL hasn't necessarily scored a lot of goals for being in fourth place, they really haven't conceded all too, you know, all too many goals either, and, and he's been a big part of that. So um, it, it's an interesting situation. I'm curious to see where David Ochoa ends up. And I'll be interested to see if Justin Glad plays in this game yeah. because he's missed seven games this year and RSL have not won any of those seven games. Now, Jacob Peterson pointed out to me only two of those were home games, and they did draw both of those games at home. Um, but he has missed the last three games during this stretch where they haven't, uh, they haven't won over the last three. Uh, big part of that defense. One of the better veteran yep. defenders in the league. So I'll be interested to see if he's able to come back and play in that game or not. That could make a big difference yeah. in this And one. he also contributes in the attack as well. So, you mm -hmm. know, they're, they're really missing a guy who um, has been impactful on both sides of the ball for them. So that I think that's a, a big one to watch. Um, you know, that's, that's always the fun in trying to preview these games before you get final injury reports and, and know who's available or who's not available, especially when key players, um, you know, are, are – are up in the air. So uh, going to be a fun one. I'm excited to go back out to Rio Tinto and uh, to get my get my first MLS broadcast there, which when I talked to everyone when I was there for the U.S. Women's National Team, a lot of them were surprised that I hadn't been there before just because, you know, sporting and RSL are in the same conference. You've been with this team for how long and you haven't been out here yet. So uh, I'm excited to go out and call a game from there. Okay, so that's again 8.30 on Sunday night at Rio Tinto Stadium. You can watch it on 38 The Spot, the Sporting KC app, sportingkc.com slash live, or right here on Sports Radio 810 WHB, you can hear the audio. For Ali Trost, for John Polskamp and Benny Failhaber, this is Nate Bucati saying thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on the Sporting Kansas City Show.